Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. I didn't know if this day, I, I didn't know if this day would ever come. I, I, I didn't. I mean, it seemed like for months, for years, I was in the desert walking around by myself, wondering if Wheeler would ever come back. And this is the episode, my friends. It, you know what? If this is the first time you downloaded Yolitics, this is a good episode to download. It's, it is. It, it's an informative podcast here, but Jason Wheeler is back. Just like Dr. Dre said, guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. <laughs> Welcome back, dude. How you feeling, uh, man? Thanks, man. I'm feeling uh, much better, much different. Uh, had back surgery. So, um, you know, anybody who's been through that knows that it puts you out for a little piece uh, while you recover from it. Uh, but, you know, pretty much right off the bat, uh, things started feeling better because it's something I had put off for like, you know, six months and you're just like living with this pain and you keep thinking, oh, I tweaked something, I tweaked something. And then you go in and they're like, uh, you need us to go in there and like cut into that and fix it now. So, uh, once they fix it, it's all good. But then you got to get all those muscles healed back up. And you know how many muscles I have, Jason. Yeah, it just yeah. it, it takes a while. Yeah, John Cena over here. This guy is. <laughs> so you said right off the bat you started feeling better, but you still took six weeks off though, just to uh, I get did. some time away. I did because while you were wandering around in the desert, wondering if I was ever coming back, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> I hope HR isn't listening to this. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, you know what? I will say this. Um, it was no piece of cake. But it's one of the best things I think that's ever happened to me. Like back surgery? I don't know. It is. What? And I, I know that sounds nuts, but it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me because. Are you still on the drugs when, right now, man, or what? <laughs> I am. No, uh, I'm not. Uh, I, I kicked those after week one. They, they make you feel too weird. No, the reason being is because we are going so fast, man. We're, we're all moving at like the speed of sound these days. And when do you ever in life ever takes six weeks where you're just forced to sit still, you can't go out and exercise and do a bunch of stuff, you, you, you can't run to work every day, you can't drive for some of that period because they don't want you in a car. When do you ever have that time to sit and reflect and think about life and reprioritize? And I mean, it was an epiphany. I mean, it really was. And when I say to you that, you know, you do start to wonder, like, am I going back? <laughs> you do think, like, I don't think I can go back to that speed again. Like, this is the speed that I like, you know? The Yaltic speed? No, the speed when I was just sitting oh, there thinking, yeah. you know? I should have been a philosopher for, for a living. I, I think I would have, yeah. Well, our, our listener might have seen you uh, post on uh, social media your uh, a video saying you're coming back soon. And in that yeah. video, you had like a Johnny Depp beard going on from Pirates of the Caribbean, but you, you had to shave that. Why, why'd I keep I that? It gave you an edge, man. I did, and it got better after that video too, because my you know my beard's a slow grower, but it filled in, filled in nicely. It was, um, how do I put this? I liked it, um, but it was not, we'll say, universally loved. Uh, I got more good comments about it than bad, by far. It, but, it was not loved in the um, house or at the Yolitics World Headquarters? Um, more Yolitics World Headquarters? Really? Huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there because that might get delicate. I don't know. HR is probably but listening yeah, by this it, point in the, in the podcast. Yeah, they probably are. And, it, you know, 
I, I will say this though. I think that, it, and you know, I heard from a few people uh, who, who didn't like it. I heard from a lot of people who did, um, but the, pe the people who didn't, I just thought, who are you in life? How do you get inspired? Like I see people all the time on TV or, you know, in different, you know, forms of media. And I never think, oh, you know what? I've got to go find that person on social media and I've got to tell them how I feel about their facial hair or their hair or their eyebrows or their whatever. Right. Who, who does that? But there are people out there who do that. Uh, exactly, man. So, it, you know, with that in mind, it's time to crack a beer. Can you even have it? Is. Will the doctor let you drink right now? Uh, the doctor will because I am healing. I'm not on medication. And yes, so, and I am uh, older than 21. So um, uh, you are older than 21, my friend. Um, <laughs> you've, you've lapped that one and you're coming up on a second. Although lap you can it. never tell. You can't you can't tell anymore with this baby face that's been totally shaved. You know, I could be a teenager. So um, and I what are you drinking today, you. man? Well, just for you. I picked this one out the other day and it's it's a. Uh, brewed by I hate when they don't make it easy Four Corners Brewing Company in Dallas and it is I thought of you when I saw this a mango fresca wow that looks good it's got man. a big picture of a mango on it I bet this is going to taste like juice oh you love those juicy ones crack it open and tell me hey, you know we're heading into summer man yeah that looks good like a, you need to be on a beach in Mexico and I do need to be on a beach in Mexico <laughs> we just had it? this talk right <laughs> tell, what do you have tell me what it's like there Mm. Well, yeah, I do taste a little bit of mango in there. Like, I want more mango. So to Four Corners Brewing, please, like, turn up the mango in this even. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, I, I, I selected one today uh, in honor of you. Uh, this is uh -oh. this is actually not a Texas beer. This is a Tennessee oh. beer. Uh, it's from mm -hmm. uh, the Bearded Iris Brewing Company in Nashville. Huh. And this is an imperial stout brewed with cinnamon rolls pecans, oh. caramel, vanilla, mm. and lactose, oh, then my. blended with bourbon barrel aged stout. And it says in bold, this beer benefits super money kids. And I said, you know what? If there was a beer for Wheeler, it's this one right here. <laughs> it's called the rollout. That sounds like a, it's the rollout stout. Let's see. That sounds like a super heavy. Let's see. Wow. That's almost sounds like, um, that sounds like a super heavy one, man. You might, um, I don't know. That's. <laughs> That sounds like it's going to do some things Whoa. digestively, you know. It tastes like uh, and, cinnamon rolls. And Tennessee, uh, it, it tastes like cinnamon yeah, rolls. It, it, yeah, hmm. cinnamon rolls and beer. A, a good dessert beer. A good dessert beer for you. Yeah. Uh, and Tennessee, going back to your roots there. Heading back, man, where the original Texans were from. So um, they can. All right. They, well, they can brew okay. Some beer so there. the original Texans came from Tennessee, <laughs> that you say, uh, and so um, boy, they never dreamt. Uh, the kinds of things that we'd be dealing with in this state these days, did they? <laughs> we never dreamt of this, and we've been here much, uh, much less time. Yeah, and and if there is a topic that just ticks me off, that I, mm. if you want to know what irks me, is freaking property taxes. They they mm -hmm. constantly go up. They've been going up every single. You know what? I, I've been in Texas twenty two years, and I don't recollect a single. I, I've owned property for I think nineteen of those twenty two years, or twenty of those mm -hmm. twenty two years. I don't recollect a single time they've ever gone down. And they have, yeah, no. not not once. But mm -mm. Texans, and especially our leaders, love to brag how Texas is a great place to do business. And it is. There, there are a few regulations. They're right about that. But it's not a low-tax state like they also like to brag about. This is not. Mm -hmm. 
We have one of the highest property taxes. Last I checked, it was the seventh highest property taxes in the US. And property appraisals are just out. I have mine right down here and it's up again, man. How about yours? Mine is definitely up again. Um, and, and like you said, they, it's rare that you would see it go down. If anything, you know, if, if it's a really bad year, you'll see it just break even uh, to the year before. But yeah, it skyrocketed this year like so many other people's did. And you know, this is something we always, you know, kind of hear about this during these months here in Texas because it's kind of that dreaded cycle when you know this is coming in the mail and you almost don't want to open the envelope. Um, but this year, it seems like, Jason, I'm hearing this more than I've ever heard it from other people. And it makes sense because this is based upon what's happening in our real estate market. And we all know that real estate markets all around Texas have just exploded uh, in, in 2021. Uh, the prices have exploded. Well, that gets reflected in your appraisal values as well. And so this was definitely going to happen. It had to happen because you know the appraisal district couldn't just look the other way while right. values exploded. But I think that there's a, a lot of anger that the system has to be set up that way, that structurally something hasn't been fixed over the years, uh, over the years, because as you say, we see it every single year. So in just a little bit, we're gonna have a former congressman from El Paso, Beto O'Rourke, who is running uh, as a Democrat for governor against uh, Greg Abbott, uh, the incumbent uh, Republican. And this, he's making this a big campaign issue, basically saying, you know, Republicans, you've had unified control of, of Texas government for eons now, and this has just, you know, it not only has it, you know, not gone away as a problem, it has become a much more huge problem. Uh, and, and the taxes that are coming out of this are ridiculous. And I want to solve it. And I've got some plans to solve it. So we're going to hear from him here uh, in just a little bit as he makes this a big campaign issue. And, uh, you know, he, he's definitely tapping into some anger out there. Before we get to uh, Beto O'Rourke, though, we're going to hear from uh, Chandler Crouch. Chandler's a guy we call every year in April. April to find out how in the world do we protest this and pay less in property taxes. The appraisals come out, the property taxes are based off that, and they climb and tick up every year. Sometimes they skyrocket. Before we get into Chandler here, who's on the line with us, I, I, I want to give a, a, a quick refresher here. Property taxes uh, are, are, are all paid to local entities, your school district, your city, your county, uh, the, the local community college, if you have one of those, your county hospital gets a cut of it also. The biggest chunk in all that, the biggest slice of the pie go, goes to your school district, though. So the school mm -hmm. district is the one that you're writing the, essentially the biggest check to every year. Here In the past, Jason, it's, it's been a 50-50 split. This, the, local proper, the local property taxes, your property owners have paid half of the school bill and the state government and feds have kicked in the other half. Well, over the last 15, 20 years, that's kind of changed where the local property owners are paying the bigger share of education and the state mm -hmm. is paying lesser of a share of education. That's the politics right. in all of this. But let's say you got one of these appraisals in and you're like, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm not selling my house anytime soon. So I, I appreciate you trying to uh, say my house is worth a heck of a lot more, but I don't want to pay a lot more in property taxes based on that. Chandler Crouch is a guy who lives this. He is a realtor. He is a property tax expert in Tarrant County and joins us every April for this podcast. So Chandler Crouch back with us again, although I, I feel like I'm seeing triple here uh, because we're on Zoom with you, Chandler. 
And way back in the background, there are like little Chandlers. Is that those are Chandler Crouch pillows? Yeah, Chandler Crouch pillows. Yeah, there's a lot of Chandler around here. I got a bobblehead. So we'll, <laughs> we got to make this little guy. Commodity, man. <laughs> yeah, you got merch now. Well, it's merch. People. People uh, like to send me gag gifts and that sort of thing for Christmas presents, and uh, they just stick around. There's a lot of, I'm on Chandler overload. <laughs> That's great. That's pretty good. Hey, we're going to get into the process because people always want to know the process of what do they need to do when they get these the, the sticker shock here and their property appraisals. Um, but but let's start off with the basics here. I, I got mine in the mail, what, last week, week, week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's way up again, Chandler. I, I'm going to fight it, but what do I need to give me an idea what I need to do to you know start that process, man? Well, in every county, it's a little bit different, but there is a, a, a similar structure no matter where you live. So the first thing that I would recommend is to uh, check the Central Appraisal District website for your county and see if there's an online portal that you can log into and uh, and and utilize. That's going to simplify your life a, a ton. And if you're in Tarrant County, uh, you can knock out this entire uh, problem that you're having in in maybe two minutes. They they have a, a special mm. little feature where you log in and you access their system and they'll present a, a few numbers and then they'll say, hey, what do you think your house is worth? And you just give them a number, click submit. And if you're in the ballpark that they're willing to consider, they'll accept the offer and then bam, your, your value is lowered in, in less than a minute. It, Tarrant County is the only county I know of that has that kind of system, but all the, a lot of the counties have some kind of online portal where you can file your protest with a click of the button. You can send them evidence and hmm. I can dive a little deeper into that process if you want, but that's where I would start. Yeah. Well, but, but, but you need evidence, don't you? Don't, don't I need, uh, you know, how much other houses have sold for in the neighborhood or, uh, you know, in, in the past I have successfully used the, um, uh, uh, the inspection that was done on my house when I purchased the house uh, and some some you know deficiencies with the property uh, in the past. What, what all do I need to go in uh, armed with? Well, so this is where you have to evaluate what's worth it for you to do, because this whole thing is a balance between the value of your time versus the the time it's going to take to learn the system and do the homework to make sure you're putting forth an effective argument. And, and that's the reason why I start with just go to the online portal and see if there's a quick and easy way to get it knocked out with. Now, I will tell you, uh, I've got a technique that people can utilize here and we'll, I'll, I'll explain it if, if time allows on how you can make this entire protest, protest process quick and simple and and uh, never have to leave your home or office. Um, yeah, we'll time does allow. We, we time got definitely of time, allows. Yeah. All right, awesome. <laughs> Tell well, us. Well, so let's, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that as a little bit of a cliffhanger. And what are we drinking here, guys? Is this, <laughs> is, it, is it too early for beer? It's, it's not. never too early. Did you it's bring no, a beer? I, I what do did you have, bring man? a beer. I, I don't want to make anybody jealous. It's uh, it's made out of a root. Is this going to be a Chandler Crouch it's, beer? Is that what we're about to see? Sarsaparilla. Uh, Sarsaparilla. It's, uh, oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> You're doing a root it's beer. It's not even true root beer. It's diet root beer. I don't know how much beer oh is God. left in this, but it's, it's uh, you know. Wow. Jeez. Come on, diet Chandler. What are you doing here? I wanted to be cool with the Jasons. This is... We, yeah, we have well, a reputation know, to uphold here with a podcast. <laughs> Chandler can't have a beer right now because things are getting, I'm, I'm sure, a little True. busy for you these yeah, days. Yeah, well, let me let me hop back into it. It's, it's crazy busy. <laughs> it's crazy. And, uh, and the reason why I'm so busy is because this 
this whole process of protesting is complicated and in order mm -hmm. for me to be able to explain it and and it, it just i've just gotta uh you know be clear-headed so no beer yeah no beer yeah that, uh, totally right so so you you left us with this cliffhanger <laughs> of the simple way that uh you can do this how do you how do you do yeah, this so i'll, I'll let me I'll, the simple way of how to do this uh, is coming. Okay, so first you still have to prepare and you have to decide how much preparation do I want to invest in this process in assembling my evidence so that I can make an effective argument. And this is really the the thing that is going to decide how effective your argument is. It's, it's based on the quality of your evidence. And so I'm going to break it down into two different camps before I get to the simple process where you can just knock it out. The two different camps of, or the two different um, areas that you have to focus in on, on your assembling your evidence is number one, a defensive stance, and then there's an offensive stance. So on the defensive side, um, you need to ask the appraisal district for the evidence that they're going to use against you if you go through with a formal protest. That's one of and the most effective you things you can do. Go ahead. And they have to give you that. Um, Yes, the appraisal district has to give that to the homeowner. And most of the time, if you, they have the online portal, that evidence that they're going to use against you may just be sitting right there in their online portal. It could be as easy as a click of a button. Uh, if not, you can file an open records request is the other opposite extreme, uh, one way or the other. If you want the evidence, then they have to cough it up. Uh, and then the cool thing is that they're actually not allowed to present any new evidence outside what they give you in that, mm -hmm. in that uh, whenever they give you that stuff up front. That's, and so you can take that evidence and look at the comparable sales, which are just properties that have sold recently that they're using to justify that astronomically high number. And uh, you can drive around to those properties and take a look at them and see if you think that that house is uh, an illegitimate comparison or to see if maybe that house actually proves that your house should be valued less. I'll give you an example. If they are using a house that's on a golf course or uh, is has a, a view of a creek or something and your house doesn't, it might be in the same subdivision, but their algorithm and their data, it didn't, it didn't alert them that that house actually shouldn't be used as a comparison. The house on the golf course probably sold it at a level much higher than yours if yours isn't at a golf on, you know, next to a golf course. And so you can use that data and say, hey, look, your data says that the house next to a golf course sold for, you know, $600,000. Mine's not next to a golf course. So mine, by definition, has to be uh, has to be valued at less. And so and Chandler, this is, a, this is exactly get, like me and Wheeler here, too, because Wheeler's on the golf course and <laughs> yeah, mine's down by the river, the, the, the double wide by the river here. I wish but I was ahead, just Wheeler. constantly down at the golf course. I, I don't even message, play golf. Um, so um, I, I'm curious. The, that's a, a big contrast when somebody's on the golf course and somebody's, you know, uh, you know, far from such a thing. But you can really get, you know, down into the weeds with this, too, and go, wait the house that you compared me to is on this really nice uh you know quiet street maybe with a cul-de-sac it's got a lot of big trees i'm on you know a, a busy busy road you know it's not as treed it's not a quiet street etc you can you can really make that comparison you can but you have to keep in mind that the people that you're going to be presenting this evidence to they're probably looking at thousands of protests and <laughs> Uh -huh. And so, uh, and, and you just imagine the types of property condition issues that they're seeing are just catastrophic. They're seeing enormous mm -hmm. cracks in the wall. They're seeing, you know, the house just falling apart and, and like 
a house that has a um, massive uh, radio tower out behind it or a, mm. a really busy street. Those extreme examples, they, they sound extreme, but you would be shocked at how, how common they actually are if you just know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And that's where it might actually pay to know the system a little bit more and have a little bit more of a, a knowledge of how uh, what, what, what factors really affect value that the appraisal district or the appraisal review board might seem at, might, might view as a, comp- a, a credible piece of evidence. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, this is what it, if you, it, it, I'm going to go through a little bit more about how to assemble evidence and, and the effective evidence that you can assemble. But at the end of the day, the, the options I'm going to give you at the end is say there's the quick and easy option that I that I, I left as a click, cliffhanger, where after you get done assembling your your evidence, you can just fill out one form, mail it in, and be done. Or um, you could hire a professional to do, to do all this for you. You know, and, and it all just depends on what your time is worth and how much of a discount you think that you could achieve. You know, a professional that does this for a living, they're not gonna wanna help you if you're only gonna get $1,000 off on the value of your property. There's not enough money money in it. And most of the tax professionals, tax uh, consultants that I've met, they wouldn't wanna take your money if they didn't think that they could do, you know, if they didn't think your house was truly overvalued because you know, that's not good business for them. And, and they're, most of these guys are truly out to help folks. And so they would probably send them over to the guy that's going to do it for free or something like that. Uh, so let's get offensive here. You talked about defense. What do you do when you go on offense with these? Offense is in looking at your own comparable sales. Try and find sales recently by talking with a realtor or just by scouring Zillow to find houses that have sold recently that compare to yours that you think are maybe even more comparable than the houses that the appraisal district is using and analyze Mm -hmm. those and make a case on why you think those houses are more comparable than the appraisal district's houses. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. one thing. And, And I'll give you a little tip. If you ask a realtor for some evidence to, if you ask a realtor to pull some comps for you, um, Tell them that uh, something that most realtors don't know is tell them that they can go all the way back to January 1st of 2021 through March 31st of 2022. They can utilize that entire range to pull comparable sales from. And I I haven't seen an appraisal district that has much pushback at all uh, on on the timeline there. if, If it's in that window, they generally see it as valid evidence. That's a good point, too. And and I want to ask you a little bit about comps, comparable sales, um, because this has been a weird time in, in, in a lot of real estate markets in Texas because it's just been so hot uh, in these markets. And, and in a lot of them, uh, we've seen so few houses for sale. People don't want to put their house up for sale because they think, where do I go once I sell it because things are so expensive? So you know, maybe in a neighborhood where you're living, there are fewer comps than there have been in years past. There's fewer comparable sales because you haven't, there haven't been a lot of homes sold. Does that complicate this process? Does it, does it help? You know, I, I've, I haven't seen that as much. Uh, it, 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 there are a lot of people that aren't putting their house on the market, but if you look at the number of closed sales, there's still a ton of closed sales. In fact, more than we've ever had before. So, uh, it, it, it just, the disparity between buyers and sellers is larger than we've ever seen before. So there are way more buyers than there are sellers, and that's creating a lot of problems. That's creating a, a supply demand issue where that's you know where the supply is so small, the demand is so high, it's forcing prices up. So uh, it does make it difficult for for people to find those lower comparable sales to use as evidence to get their value down. Um, but you know there. 
they're out there, especially if you can reach back to January, February of 2021, there are sales out there that, that you can find that do justify a lower value in most cases. But you're right. I mean, when, when there are limited sales, it makes it very difficult to, to uh, present a, a good argument. But if it's difficult for the homeowner, it's also difficult for the appraisal district and it's a subjective mm-hmm. process. So, um, you know, if it's a difficult for you, then even more reason to take the little extra effort to assemble some kind of argument. And the burden of proof is on the appraisal district. There, there. I, I remember last year, um, I did a protest. I did several protests like this where I looked at the appraisal district's evidence. I was like, this is trash. This is horrible. I can't believe that they tried <laughs> to increase the value based off of this evidence. And then I went to try and find good, good evidence and I couldn't find good evidence either. And so I just went into the appraisal district without any evidence at all. And I held up their comps and I said, explain to me how you can justify an increase based on these comps. And whenever I presented the argument in that way, the, the burden of proof is supposed to be on the appraisal district. The three person panel said, you know what, Chandler, you've got a great point and we got like a hundred thousand dollar reduction. I mean, just wow. so you're a rock star. Man. Well, there are. <laughs> It was the data. I just had to put put the yeah. argument together and say, "Hey, look, it's it's not there to support this increase. Uh, justify your position." And they, when they couldn't, then the obvious answer was, "Well, the value shouldn't go up." So, so, so uh, Chandler Wheeler and I have both protested before, and, and we're getting way down in the weeds pretty fast here. But for folks who are getting sticker shock and who have never protested this before, you mentioned uh, a portal. Tarrant County has a pretty good portal. It sounds like they're in Fort Worth. Uh, but uh, for people who want to protest, they should look on their uh, on their uh, property appraisal sheet that came out, and it gives you an idea how to protest. What's important on here, though, I think that people might not get, and, and I, I missed this a few years ago, you have uh, three or four weeks to actually file a protest. Mm-hmm. If you don't file a protest, then that value is locked in. Here, here's my question. Harris County is up 15%. Collin County, north of Dallas, is up, what, uh, I think 30% or so. Travis County up 50%. Wow. Uh, Bear County, 25%. This is the largest increase for a lot of these counties in recent memory, according to folks who live there. How does this year, though, compare to the, the last few? Because every year, it seems like we're having this conversation. We call you every April, man. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a hot topic. Well, how does this year compare? I mean, the, the, those numbers that you're citing are just much bigger than, than we've seen in past years. It's just, it's just off the charts. The amount of appreciation that we've seen, the values of just, it's just, it's just much higher than any other year. So. That's the only difference, but it's a pretty big difference. It's, I mean, it's crippling. Your well, educated it, guess here, Chandler, do you think that we'll see, because of what Jason's talking about there, do you think that we're going to see a record number of protests in Texas this year? I bet we do. I, I do. I, I think I think that uh, when values go up that high, there's nothing, there's very little the appraisal district can do to take the edge off of that. People are, uh, you know, people are calling into my office every single day just, needing answers and they need some kind of help. So they're going to, people are going to file a protest. Most people don't take the time to listen to a podcast like this to get educated on what's going on. They're not reaching out for help. They're just upset and know that they need help. And right. so they know that they need to file a protest and, um, and they just want to give somebody a piece of their mind because it's, it, they, we need to, you know, it's. Hey, following, following on to that, if there is this huge wave of protests more than they've seen in the past at these different uh, appraisal districts, 
does that help me or does that hurt me if I decide to protest mine? Because they have to dispose of these in a timely manner in a certain amount of time here. Does it help me to be able to make a quick deal with them? Or do you think they might start standing firm with some people because they've got so many cases to get through? Only time is is to tell, but I think it helps you. Uh, it, one is just so that they can get to their deadline. They've got a, I think it's a July 25th deadline where they have to certify all these values. They have to certify like 95% of the value for that county by that deadline. And so they're going to do what it takes to reach a resolution and move on and so that they can reach that deadline. But uh, the other reason why it helps is if your neighbors are all getting their values reduced um, and you walk into the appraisal district and say, hey, look, um, not only is my house overvalued, but all my neighbors are, um, here's the, here's the evidence, then, uh, that's additional evidence that you can use. Um, you know, whether it's effective or not just kind of depends on the, the person on the other hand, in that's hearing that, but that's definitely a valid point that I, I would mention. So I think, I think it's helpful on multiple fronts. And the people on the other end listening to this, the appraisal review boards are what, uh, three to four people, I believe my recollection is when I've done it in person, um, and and t- tell us who these people are, because these people are essentially your allies, aren't they, Chandler? Well, they should be. Um, it just <laughs> kind of depends. <clears throat> the appraisal review board is kind of like the jury. And when you go into a formal protest, you're you're almost like the defendant. And, and the appraisal district has a representative in there that's almost like the prosecution. And so, uh, and you're guilty until proven innocent. And so you've got to go in there and basically prove your innocence and say, hey, look, the value is too high. And you, you have to take your evidence and contrast that against the appraisal district's evidence and then win over that three person panel, which is kind of like the jury. Um, and, and now this year, there are some laws that have changed where you can actually request a one person panel and uh, you can request an informal conversation before the hearing starts. I think both of those are good things to explore. I don't know if it would work in your favor or not. I guess you have to be the judge. I'm going to experiment with some of that stuff this year, but um, that's, that's the environment. So to come back to the question of, are they your ally or not? Honestly, it depends on how you treat them. You have to put yourself in their shoes. These are just meant just citizens that have decided that they're willing to apply for a seasonal position that where they're going to get paid something like 200 bucks a day to sit there and hear case after case after case after case. You just have to put yourself in their shoes. They're sitting there uh, hearing a sound argument, right or wrong, a sound argument from the appraisal district based on fact, right or wrong. And then they're dealing with emotional homeowners that are coming in just mad and want to give somebody a piece of their mind. And a lot of homeowners will walk in and talk about the injustice in the system and how broken everything is and how much of a financial bind this has put themselves in. And sometimes the three-person panel will have a, a gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching situation where they will, I've, I've even heard of them crying before in the panel because their heart goes out to them. But if they don't have the data to right. lower the value, then they're stuck with what the appraisal district says. So they're just getting worn out by this and, and getting yelled at all day. So you want to treat them like they're an ally. You want to treat them like they're they're a reasonable person that can understand a reasonable argument and you just articulate it in that way and treat them with respect. And uh, if you give them the data they need, then they can be your ally and they'll, they'll they in so many cases, they will reduce the value. And, and the point, yeah, I think the, the point also is what you just touched on there is they're they're not employees of the appraisal district. These are these are citizens, bless you. 
uh, putting your your mic on mute there. Um, at the end of the day, though, a lot of this stuff sounds very intimidating. Having to reach out to a realtor you may or may not know, a realtor you used when you bought your house and say, hey, can you help me out with some comps here? Do I pay you for this stuff? How often, though, are people actually successful and getting their uh, appraisals reduced. A huge percentage of the time, especially this year, I think that the the odds that, in fact, I, there was a, a news article that I was in where I, I, I said it wrong and then immediately I said something different. It didn't make the edit, but I think that your odds <laughs> of uh, winning this year are higher than ever before, just because they're trying to churn through the numbers. They wanna make you happy and get, and get you out of their office so they can go to the next person. Um, and in any year, I, my, the way the system is set up, I believe about 50% of houses are overvalued. If you just look at it and they, if they're just, if they're just um, valuing houses based on an average of a certain area, then by definition, if it, there's an average point that's about the middle ground and about half are overvalued and half are undervalued. Uh, and wow. so when you look at it that way, it's like, well, you, you owe it to you and your, your, your family to go on there and protest. And there's so many misconceptions that people have about, about why they think that they shouldn't protest, why it might hurt them. But I, I have yet to put my finger on one reason why it would actually hurt you to protest. There's just, there's just no reason in the world not to do it and you have everything to gain. So. Well, that's big when you say 50% of houses may be overvalued in this. So it, it, it does pay to, to, to protest this. You said something earlier that stuck out to me, and I've never thought of that before. If your neighbor goes in and gets a significant reduction in theirs, that could help you to be able to go, hey, this guy lives right next to me and you reduced his way down. So that shows that you made a mistake with his, which means you know I'm right next door. So obviously I should be close to what his is. I never thought about that before. So it does pay to kind of know your neighbors a little bit and, and, and talk with them if they're if they're doing that. Absolutely. And one of the best ways to do that is just to utilize a uh, neighborhood Facebook group or nextdoor.com. dot com. Uh, I mean, knocking on the neighbor's door the old fashioned way is probably the best way to do it. But uh, just post something and say, hey, I, I'd love to hear if anybody's successful at the appraisal district getting their value lowered. And maybe if we could all work together and share information, it might have a positive effect. Now, I'll just say this. I've used that kind of angle to, with success and with not success in the past. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, it, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it to sure, try. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I, I want to ask you about um, something uh, that can really help you out as far as the valuation on your home each year and certainly with your property taxes, and that is the homestead exemption. Um, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are new uh, to Texas. A lot of them have moved here just in this last year. Maybe they don't know about the homestead exemption. This is a tremendous way to limit what you owe in property taxes. And yet a real interesting thing, Chandler, I was talking with the Dallas Central Appraisal District, getting some numbers for a separate piece that I was doing. And I just asked them like, hey, how many um, homes are under homestead? And they said it's uh, only about half of the 600,000 plus properties uh, that have uh, homestead exemptions. And that just floored me. Now, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of those may be rental homes or, you know, investor owned homes where they're not actually living in the home. But I think there's, you know, I've talked with a couple of, of realtors and, and it sounds like there's quite a few people out there who may be leaving a lot of money on the table by not having a homestead exemption. And it sounds like it's quite a few people. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of investors that have bought a property and now they're renting that property out. And so none of those properties have homestead exemption. 
And the people paying the price for the property taxes going up in those circumstances are usually the tenants because the landlord is just going to pass that cost on to the tenant. And so if you're a tenant listening to this, you have every reason in the world to be interested in what's going on with property taxes. You should urge your landlord to protest. Uh, and if you're in Tarrant County, just send them to me. I'll help. But um, if, <laughs> you know, if, if you have if you're living in a house as your primary residence, then uh, you definitely need to check and make sure that your homestead exemption is in place. Most people don't know that if you um, have a change in your marital status or you change your mailing address or um, if you put your house into, let's say, a trust because you're doing some uh, estate planning stuff, kind of just planning ahead, then those are all events that could give the appraisal district reason to cancel your homestead exemption. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people don't get the, don't see the notification that that's been canceled. Especially, th- imagine this, if if you, if the appraisal district sends you some mail and that mail was returned to the appraisal district because the post office said, I'm sorry, that's not a good mailbox anymore. Well, then how is the appraisal district supposed to send you the notice that they're going to revoke the homestead exemption due to the fact that the mailing address is wrong? You know, that that happens. And, um, you know, so you you definitely owe it to you yourself and your family. Make sure your exemptions are in place. That is the saving grace for most people in this kind of environment. And it says it right there on your appraisal, too. So if you're not sure if you have a homestead exemption, it's going to say it on your appraisal. Look for the word homestead in there somewhere. If you don't see the word homestead, uh, you need to get busy with a homestead uh, exemption application. You can do it uh, all the way up till uh, April 30th, isn't yep, it? That's exactly uh, Chandler? right. Yep. And if- so you can go back and get that done. And, and then the law changed this year, too, where you can do this if you're a newer homeowner. It used to be that you had to wait at least one January 1st in the home to be able to do this, but you don't have to do that anymore. So newer homeowners can get a break here too. That's exactly right. As soon as you buy a house, file that homestead exemption, make sure it's in place. I've got a tutorial if you don't mind me sharing, I, it's free. Please, okay, yeah. If you go to chandlercrouch.com slash homestead, then uh, I've put a pretty good tutorial on there that just walks through the form. Um, and and because the form is a little bit complicated and so you, people can go there and just check it out. I'm not looking to sell anything. It's just knew, a free tutorial. I knew you would have some kind of visual aid for something <laughs> like this. Uh, say that one more time. Chandlercrouch.com slash homestead, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and you always have a lot of good videos too, where, where you walk folks through that Chandler. So that, that, that's very useful to our listeners. Uh, go check out his website because he has a lot of good stuff on there. But speaking of homestead, uh, you know, Texas is famously a non-voting state, but May 7th, there are two statewide propositions on the uh, on the ballot that are important to property taxes. Proposition one and proposition two. Ten cent version of each of these. Prop one is essentially for folks who are over 65 or disabled. Um, it would extend the property tax relief from school districts. Again, school districts are, are more than half of your property tax bill. Prop two, though, I think affects the rest of us. And Prop two would increase, if passed, increase the homestead exemption on school district property taxes from $25,000 up to $40,000. And on average, that would cut about $175 off of uh, most people's tax bills. There is no organized opposition to this, but still it's probably important to go out and physically vote for this in order to get a few bucks knocked off your uh, your bill each year. Absolutely. And the shocking thing, Jason, is I have 
it's rare to find opposition to bills that are designed to improve the property tax situation for homeowners. And so uh, I don't want to derail us too much, but it just makes me wonder, why are we still in this situation? Why can't we get any meaningful reform passed? I've got some insight to that because I helped get a couple property tax bills passed. But um, to your point, yes, absolutely. Go out and vote for these bills. We need to vote. And you know what? Maybe if the turnout is substantial enough and lopsided enough, maybe that's an additional message that we can send to the legislature to do something more because we need more help. The system is broken. Yeah. What, what's, your insight, you. what, what's your insight to this, though? You said you've worked on this in the past. What, what, what is your insight? What's going on in Austin? Why can't they get this thing figured out? Well, so, OK, last year I protested for 20,000, 22,000 people. That's how many I protested for. And wow. uh, you can imagine doing that many protests, how many conversations I have, just becoming aware of all the unique situations that folks are in and, and all the problems yeah. with the system. It's uh, when you have that many people hurting and reaching out for help, uh, you just can't help but be moved and want to try and solve the problem permanently. I'm happy to help you right now and right here, but I want to solve this. So uh, I worked with state representative Matt Krauss. He he reached out and said, hey, look, you know more than anybody else in Tarrant County about this. What's wrong with it? I gave what's wrong with the system. How can we improve and fix this permanently? I gave him about 10 different ideas and he said, hey, here's three ideas that I think would be kind of the hinge that swings the door. Let's focus on these. And he just he said, look, talk with my my legislative staff. Let's work with them and, and write this bill. I'll give it my blessing. And, and as long as everything looks good, I'm going to support whatever whatever we have to do in order to uh, improve the system. And so uh, we've uh, drafted several bills, ended up getting two bills passed that definitely help improve the system. But uh, in the course of that, I went down to Austin to testify a few times. Um, I've sat as just somebody, a spectator, watching a hearing take place where there was a literal debate about should we have a debate about how to reform property taxes? There was a debate about should we have a debate to do this? And the amount of conflict in that discussion about why we should talk about it or shouldn't was was absolutely mesmerizing it's I, I i have a hard time even thinking about it. it's just gives me it gave me a hint as to why we haven't seen any form any change it's just that it's, it's just crazy the amount of apathy and the amount that a lot of these legislatures are out of tough out of touch with the real struggles that people are having today is just mind-numbing and I, I have struggled coming up with the words and not using obscenities doing it but it's it's really frustrating there's so many people hurting we have to change things and i want to help so anyway it is amazing that that debate is still happening. You know that these lawmakers have to be hearing from their constituents. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, this is a, a tax. It, it is the biggest tax that is collected in the state of Texas, property taxes. I think the problem, the disconnect is, though, is that the state says, hey, that's a local thing. Uh, they levy that tax and they collect that tax at the local level. We didn't do it. But when you get down to it, what's happening at the state requires those local entities to collect those taxes. They, they pass laws that locally have to be enforced and that costs money. That's right. And most people don't understand that the, when you pay your tax bill, it's your local school district, your city and your County and hospital. A lot of people forget about the hospital and the community college. I'm, I'm, I don't, 
focused on the community college quite as much as the hospital because there's no senior citizen cap on the hospital. But you've got all these different entities that are the ones that receive that money when you pay your bill. And so we would not have rising property taxes if those guys weren't spending so much money. And so it's this election that's coming up. You've got the, the May 4th election, you got the two different propositions, but it's the people running for city council and board of trustees at the school districts that need to hear from us to say, we need to make a very clear message that we care about property taxes. And when you spend money, our taxes go up. Now, I've got to say, a lot of the politicians understand that dynamic. They understand the overall budgets, how they go up and that increases property taxes. But the thing that they're out of touch on is how when my property value goes up, that means that I pay a larger portion of those property taxes. And we have yet to see any meaningful relief on the individual level that as it relates to property values going up. And it's just, it's maddening. It's like, you know, get the right people elected locally, but legislators, we, we need to quit doing these fixes that are going to result in $170 for a select few people. We need to, we need to make a meaningful change that's going to, um, to, to improve this situation permanently for everybody. You're speaking my language, Chandler. Last question for you, man. Uh, you've been doing this for a couple of minutes. Is, uh, is Texas becoming unaffordable now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the worst place you can be right now is without a house. If you own a house, you're uh, uh, what's it called? A rising tide raises all ships or so there's an expression like that. Mm -hmm. Get in the water. And, and so that as your property value goes up, your net worth goes up. And it's unfortunate that your property taxes go up. But at least if you sell, you're going to have more money. And so it's like. It, but yes, for, for somebody that doesn't have a house, a brand new homeowner, somebody looking to become a first time home buyer, what options are they going to have? You you can no longer buy an eighty four thousand dollar house like I did back in two thousand six. You know now mm -hmm. the what used to be a hundred thousand dollar house is now a, a three hundred thousand dollar house, and so yeah. you, you have to buy and plan on having some roommates or just the 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 point at which you're going to enter the the housing market is going to be later and later in life. So you're going to have people living with mom and dad a little bit longer and. You know stuff like that, uh, but yeah, it's it's becoming unaffordable, and 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 there are we don't have a lot of great answers for this. Yeah, the landscape is really tough uh, for people who are looking for a home right now. You bought yours for eighty four thousand way back. When. I did. It was a foreclosure, Jeez. so I got a little bit better deal, but it was worth about one hundred and ten thousand or so when I bought it. It needed to be Man. fixed up, but yeah, it's it, it almost seems like a, a time and a land far away that it's hard to even imagine now. Um, but it, it is. It makes you sound like a really old yeah. man, uh, but you're not. That's the thing. Ooh, well, don't don't you wish you had bought like five of them at that? Oh price? man, I, I was helping clients buy them right and left. Uh, but you know, Jeez. these property taxes will make anybody age. So give me come back to me in five <laughs> years if I'm still alive. Be good. But hey, yeah, I promised all... that there would be a quick and easy route that people can oh, yes. take. Let me come what back to it, that man? before I. Yeah, I love how you I like I like how you embed teases <laughs> in the podcast and keep people tuned all the way to the end here. Yes, please tell us the quick and easy. Okay, if you Google property owner affidavit of evidence, I know it's a mouthful, or, or let's just Google affidavit of evidence, property taxes, Texas, then you're going to stumble across a form that the uh, the comptroller puts out, and this is one form where if you fill this thing out and you get it notarized, which almost any bank has a free notary that you can utilize, but you just fill the form out and you uh, print out your evidence. You can mail this in and this document will sit in your place at the hearing so that you don't have to go. 
Um, huh. Now, this is it's going to be less effective than showing up and presenting this stuff in person. But if you're trying to weigh how much time is it worth for me to invest in this process and you're finding that it's probably not worth a lot of your time, if you go out and hire a property tax consultant or if you're in Tarrant County, just come see me. I'll do it for free or fill out this form. You can send this in. It doesn't cost anything. And you can have that formal hearing and make sure that you're getting a fair shake or at least um, I don't know, at least keep them busy and, and, and make sure that somebody's putting eyeballs on your property so that you, you're not leaving too much meat on the bone. Huh, that's brilliant. Okay, so you can actually have something sit in your place there. And, and again, as you've mentioned several times, uh, for folks who are in Tarrant County, if they you know are, are intimidated by this whole process and they would like to at least see if maybe they have a case to make, they can start with you and do it for free. It's uh, All you have to do for that is go to freetaxprotest.com. Freetaxprotest.com, is that right? You got right? it, that's absolutely right. And go ahead. And I was just gonna also say, you can also get real smart on all of this stuff if you're you know, kind of doing it yourself or if you're just weighing things. Uh, Chandler's got a gazillion videos. Uh, his, you can go to Chandler, just look up Chandler Crouch Tax Protest University uh, on Google and it'll take you to this whole page of, of videos where you'll be smarter than you ever dreamed you'd be about uh, property tax appraisals and, and, and protests. That's absolutely right. And as if, as if you didn't have enough stuff to write down and do homework on already, I just wanna say that, that what you just said, that's really the mother load of all sorts of information. If you wanna become a master of the property tax system, that gives you a pretty good A to Z overview of the whole thing. But if you just want a simple how-to video on how to protest your property taxes, you go to freetaxprotest.com slash videos and the video in the top left corner tells you how to do all of this stuff from beginning to end, uh, one step at a time. And, and by, by all means, I think if you're willing to put the time and effort into it, you should do it on your own. Uh, but if you're not gonna do it on your own, utilize one of these other avenues. And one last thing, uh, where do people go on the website there for the merch? Where, the merch? where do we find oh, that? Man, the I should, and the I should and get it. the merch flowing. I, you know, I I don't have enough time to make merch, you know, but maybe someday everybody can have their very own Chandler bobblehead. <laughs> Chandler, get back to work, man. Thanks so much for always taking hey, our call. Thank you guys for covering this. The we we need to we need to get the the word out, and y'all are doing your part. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So uh, yeah, Chandler Crouch, a uh, realtor out of Tarrant County who has taken this on uh, year after year and 22,000 of these he helped with last year, these protests for uh, property appraisals. I will bet you, I, and, and you know he's in for some weeks ahead here, I bet you he's gonna easily eclipse that this time around just because so many people are, are, are you know, seeing you know, just sticker shock when they open these envelopes. And Jason, you know, just to underscore it one more time, we've talked to Chandler in many uh, years past, it does not reduce the value of your property if you get your appraisal value reduced. It's not gonna, if you get that reduced and you decide to sell your house two months from now, it's not going to reduce how much you get for the house. It's a totally separate yeah. thing. So don't worry about that. We've heard that from expert after expert after expert. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. I mean, at the end of the day, you want the county to think your property's worth a dollar and you can yes. sell it for $250,000 at the end of the day. But you're, you're exactly right. If you fight this with the county, it might be reflected as a lower value in the, uh, in the tax rolls. But at the end of the day, when you sell it, your house is, you know, providing it, it's the same as your neighbor's is going to sell for what your neighbor's house is selling for, too. Two things that Chandler said, and I, I love talking to this guy because he, he lives this stuff all the time. Number mm -hmm. one is he, he said he thinks this year you have a higher chance of, of winning a reduction in your property 
uh, value than ever before, probably because they're gonna have so many of these protests. But number two, he said mm-hmm. that he thinks about 50% of the houses are overvalued in this state. That's astonishing. Mm. Yeah, so if you hadn't thought about protesting or if you thought that protesting seemed too scary, um, that right there should light a fire under you because you know one out of two, if he's saying uh, one out of two homes are overvalued this time around, yours might be that one. Yeah. So why not at least give it a shot? And again, like he said, you don't have to be some expert. You don't have to you know, know everything about property values and comps and this and that and the other. Do the informal thing. Go on there and see if you can just you know say, hey guys, here's what I think we should put this at. You know. Do a little bit of homework. Uh, make yourself a little bit smarter about this. It might save you a lot of money in the long run, especially since this compounds year after year after year. What you do this year keeps on paying off for all the years ahead. Yeah, it, it likely will save you money to take a, a little effort and do this year. So and get that homestead exemption if you don't have one. I, I can't Gosh. believe people don't have one though. I mean, it's that stuns me. I think a lot of people just don't know about it, and I've heard from other realtors that they just don't have the time. They didn't get around to it. Make the time yeah. for that. That is money. It's like you just going out in a, on a windy day and just you know going through $100 bills and just letting them blow off into the breeze. And, and if we didn't accurately explain the homestead exemption, if you don't know about this, this is a discount on your property taxes. If you live in a property that, that you pay a mortgage for or, or own it outright, then you can get a homestead exemption. That, that's your homestead. And they will give mm-hmm. you essentially a coupon, you know, 25% off your property taxes. You want yeah, it that. exempts. Yeah, it exempts a part of your property from being taxed and it has that dual purpose where it caps how much your appraisal value can go up each year. Yeah. So you're not dealing with these you know, extraordinary rises every year. It caps that at 10%. So let's get into the politics now of this. People uh, are seeing the sticker shock on their appraisals that they're getting from their county. And, you know, if you're like me, you're thinking every year this thing goes up and every year there's incremental things that happens in Austin. But like Chandler said, nothing substantial for me. So what in the world is going to happen? There are two men running for governor. Greg Abbott is running for a third term. Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat, uh, former congressman from El Paso, is challenging him this year. It's likely going to be maybe the closest gubernatorial race that we have seen in the past two decades in this state. Uh, so we're going to have uh, hear from Beto O'Rourke in just a moment. But first, before we hear from him, just a quick note. We have reached out to Governor Abbott's uh, campaign team a couple of times, uh, even for our most recent episode with me and Teresa interviewing Mimi Swartz about the profile on Greg Abbott. And we have not yet heard back on uh, whether or if the governor would like to join us to talk about that or any other issue. But he has a standing invitation on Yolitics whenever he wants to join us. We'll buy him a beer to talk about mm-hmm. the issues of the day here, though. But he hasn't taken us up yet. O'Rourke made some news the other day. He said, hey, you know, let, let's uh, let's look at some some different ways to potentially raise more revenue to offset what we all pay. And uh, he, he broke some of that news and announced his plans in uh, in Dallas the other day. And Jason Wheeler talked to him. Um, I, I want to ask you before we get into this whole you know property appraisal thing, uh, you know, the, the latest news here that uh, you came down with COVID. So first thing, how are you feeling right now? Well, thank you for asking. I actually feel good. My my voice is a little raspy and that's the only symptom that I have so far. But I'm glad that we tested and glad that we know and we'll obviously stay off the road until I test negative and we follow all the 
the public health guidelines, but um, feeling okay other than tested positive. Mm, that's good news to to hear. You uh, you always hope for the best with these things. Um, and and what does this do campaign wise? You say staying off the road. Um, I, I mean any any time period right now seems like a crucial time period, and it's going to feel that way all the way uh, through that first week of November. Uh, how does this affect the campaign? Well, it means that we can't be holding these town hall meetings that we've been doing for basically the last six months, and so. Um, we'll have to reschedule events in different communities around Texas um, and then just come back, you know, that much harder, really, um, because, as you say, we have very limited time. We have a little bit more than six months left to us to reach a lot of voters across the state of Texas and a lot of folks who are eligible to vote, but haven't turned out in previous elections. And the best way and perhaps only way that I know to reach them is by showing up in person. And that's why you see us in places like Comal County or uh, in Sherman, Texas, where we were a few days ago, or in Polk County, where we had a great town hall meeting yesterday. So we we are excited to get back after it, but it's going to take a a few days of making sure that we test negative and are following the, the best public health guidance so that we don't endanger anybody in the public. Well, in the meantime, uh, you can still hole up in a room and do a podcast. And so here you are with us. And thank you for taking the time with all of this other going on personally. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, since we're talking about property tax appraisals, have you gotten yours yet? We, uh, my wife told me that we got our appraisal. I was on the road when it came in and she said, did she scream it or did she say (laughs) it? (laughs) She said, she said it was a pretty steep increase and I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down with her and seeing it. And in fact, sitting down is what I hear from so many people as they're advising their fellow Texans to do before they open their appraisals. Um, the increase in property valuations that we're seeing across the state of Texas, which of course will mean in most instances an increase in the property taxes that we're paying, have really caught people by surprise. And it's a real shock to the system at a time that you have rising inflation nationally of over 8%. You've had over the last seven years, inflation in property taxes uh, up 40% from when Abbott first took office or $20 billion. Our electricity rates have gone up 50 bucks a month on average after the winter freeze last year and the power grid failure and the shifting of the costs over to the consumer. We just had another shock at the grocery store when the international bridges were shut down for over a week by Greg Abbott. Um, Sid Miller, no flaming liberal, um, you know, statewide elected Republican agricultural commissioner called that economy killing because we're paying so much more at the grocery store and in rural communities, as you know, the governor vetoed the universal service fund, which has sent telephone and internet bills in rural communities through the roof up 25 to 100 bucks a month. So these property tax increases and appraisal increases could not have come at a worse time. And so we've got to be serious about how we bring them down going forward so that Texans can afford to stay in and live in their homes. And Congressman, a lot of people have fury for the local appraisal district this time of year. Uh, but you're basically saying to them, uh, you know, save it, go further up the political food chain. You need to be you know, thinking about all the way up to the governor's office when you're upset about, you know, property appraisals and property taxes. That's right. Um, you know, these these local appraisal districts can really only follow the law and do their best. And it's almost a guessing game in terms of trying to. Uh, figure out what local properties are 
value that. As you know, we don't have sales price disclosure in the state of Texas. And what that means for, for you and me and other homeowners and renters across the state of Texas is we just kind of have to take whatever the local CAD gives us in terms of an appraisal. But the larger industrial commercial property owners, the corporations can hire the attorneys and the lobbyists in some cases to fight that. Uh, I was in Port Arthur just a few weeks ago and learned from the president of their independent school district that they just cut a $30 million check to one of the largest property owners in Jefferson County because they were able to successfully contest their valuation, 30 million bucks. And that money's gonna have to be made up. It will be made up by higher tax levels set by that school district because it's the only choice they have. It's why I think we need to seriously look at sales price disclosure in the state of Texas so that commercial property owners, corporate property owners are paying their fair share just like residential property owners and renters are through their rent. That's how they end up paying their part of the, the property tax. We've also got to look at the fact that we don't have enough housing in the state of Texas. And that is part of the reason you have such a sharp increase in appraised value. We have more demand than we have supply. And so the state at a minimum needs to get out of the way of local jurisdictions where today it's preventing them from doing some of the things that would increase the amount of housing, including affordable housing in our communities. So if you become governor, do you think you can actually get more housing available, more housing built? How do you do that? We need to look at how the state can leverage tax credits at the state level to encourage more development in our communities, especially those communities that are seeing the most significant demand for housing and just aren't able to put together the supply. There are also some state mandates that prevent local communities from working with um, inclusionary zoning laws, for example, that would allow affordable housing to become more uh, or a bigger part of the mix in, in some communities. So, so these are things the state of Texas could proactively do to address the housing crunch that we have. You add sales, sales price disclosure to that. You add the state getting up to its fair share of school spending. It's now at 40% of what we spend on our independent school districts. It used to be 50%. Uh, Republican Representative Charlie Guerin has proposed a bill that would mandate that Texas stay up to 50%. As governor, I will sign that into law. We also need to do other smart bipartisan things like expanding Medicaid, which would bring about 10 billion into Texas annually and would reduce the local property tax burden on paying for indigent care at our county hospitals. And then one last idea and another one that's popular across the political spectrum, and that is legalizing marijuana. Right now, the local property taxpayer pays to house those who are arrested for possession of a substance that's legal in most of the rest of the country in their local county jail. We'd free up about half a billion dollars in local property tax spending if we were to make marijuana legal. And we'd have another half billion that we could bring in in new revenue to the state of Texas. So those are just a few of the things that we could do differently and better to reduce the pressure on local property taxpayers and reduce their property tax burden. 
Let's pull a couple of those threads that you mentioned there. You talk about uh, marijuana legalization uh, and, and the money that the state could make off of that that might take some pressure off of uh, property owners paying uh, so much. Uh, you've also brought up the idea of legalized gambling. Uh, these certainly aren't just liberal pursuits either. I mean, you look up right to our north, uh, Ruby Red, Oklahoma has done both of those things. The question, though, is, you know, there has seemed to be some Republican willingness to talk about gambling uh, here in Texas. How would you get that passed and marijuana legalization passed, though? Because, uh, you know, let's say you win uh, as governor, but you still have a a split legislature or a legislature that's all Republican. You know, as you suggest, there is a bipartisan basis to get this done. I was just in Sherman, Texas, at a town hall in Grayson County. And as you know, it's very close to the Oklahoma border. And one of the first questions I was asked at the town hall was, um, you know, how far away are we from legal gambling in the state of Texas? And I said, we're about 35 miles away from legal gambling in the state of Texas. Everyone laughed because everyone there goes across the border to spend their hard earned money in another state. And that state and those communities in Oklahoma end up reaping the benefit of legal gambling there. So it's not as though Texans are prevented from gambling just because it we don't have options within the state. We end up traveling to New Mexico, to Oklahoma, to Louisiana, to our border states to do what we should be able to do here and what would generate billions of dollars in new net revenue for the state of Texas, money that you could spend on Uh, firming up the state share of public education, money that you could spend on buying down property tax burden that you have in in our local communities. So um, as to how we would do this, I do think we start with that common ground that's already there between Republicans and Democrats on this issue, on marijuana. I mean, these are two of the most popular bipartisan issues that you can find in Texas. We'll disagree on a lot, but there is at least this much common ground on these two. You mentioned the cross-border traffic for for gambling. We had an Oklahoma lawmaker here on this podcast not long ago, and a lot of Texans are already getting their weed from Oklahoma as well. Uh, I'll I'll, you know, channel um, Governor Abbott here for just a moment, um, just because, you know, we have put out several standing invitations to him. He has never been on the podcast with us. But Governor, if you're listening, you're always welcome uh, to come on here. We'd certainly like to hear from you as well. But let me channel him for just a moment here. and, And, you know, he would say, hey. You know, over the years, we have, um, you know, bought down some of those local property taxes by, you know, infusing uh, uh, billions of dollars in there uh, into the budget, um, you know, to help offset what people are having to pay for schools, uh, for the school district taxes. Uh, what do you say to that? It, it sounds like you, you were leveling some criticisms last week that th- that's a drop in the bucket that a lot more needs to happen. Yeah, it, it's a one time uh, political you know, opportunity for the governor, but it is not sustained relief for the homeowner or the renter or the property taxpayer. You know, I'd advise the governor, since since you're channeling him right now, I'll, I'll through you try to reach the governor. I'd, I'd encourage him to reach out to the Republican county judge of Polk County. Her name is Sydney Murphy. And she just wrote a, a terrific op-ed that talks about what local communities um, that are represented by Republicans and Democrats alike across the state of Texas have to do when all these state mandates are pushed down on them and they don't have the state supplying the funding or the resources to help them get the job done. So it's indigent healthcare, it's indigent defense, 
It is the housing of people in their county jails who sometimes aren't able to get mental health care in any other way. And our county jails, as you probably know, have become the largest provider of mental health care services in the state of Texas. The state's not picking up the cost of that. That's Judge Murphy and those other county commissioners who have to find the revenue in Polk County in order to get that done. And of course, she also highlighted what independent school districts have to do as the state's share of spending on public ed has declined over the last couple of decades. You know, we had a little bit of a boost after 2019, but we're still at 40%. We need to get back up to 50%. And so whether it's the Republican County judge in Polk County or Republican state representative, Charlie Guerin, I wanna find that common ground that exists on this issue and really make sure that the state is stepping up and doing its part. Otherwise, we are going to be taxing and pricing people out of their homes. And that's not theoretical. I'm meeting these people across the state of Texas who say, I cannot afford to stay in this home or I'm over the, the age of 65 and I have some protection on property taxes, but I wanna pass this home on to my child. It's one of the, the best ways of transferring wealth in the United States of America, but I don't think my child is gonna be able to afford the taxes on this home now, given these appraisals and the lack of relief from the state of Texas. So we can do a far better job. And as governor, I will. Critics, though, would say or have said that, you know, what you would want to do there as far as the state's obligations to pay for schools wouldn't be sustainable over the long term, that it would cost the state so much money. It, is there is there a possibility that this is one of those problems that looks simpler from the outside? And then once you get into office, you go, gosh, this is tougher to sustain than I thought it was. Well, there's nothing easy about this, but in the ninth largest economy on planet earth it is not for lack of resources that we fail to fund public ed and let me just say this in addition to the homeowner and the renter paying the burden of educating our kids and it pricing them out of their homes in many cases we are also not paying our teachers their true value they are underpaid by 7500 bucks on average against what an american school teacher is paid in almost any other state in the union. And that has resulted in the state of Texas losing teachers by the thousands. We cannot keep them in the classrooms. My 11 year old who goes to a great public school in El Paso has not had a permanent classroom teacher since the school year started in August. He may be on his third or fourth substitute teacher. So failing to pay them or to spend per pupil what other states are spending or to invest in this next generation of leaders is really going to end up hurting everybody in the state of Texas over the long term. And even in the short term, if you listen to the parents of school aged children, they're seeing this crisis in our schools right now. So, yes, the state of Texas has the resources. It has just lacked the political will and the leadership to get this job done. If we raise these new revenues through price disclosure, through some of the other options that I described, if we prioritize as we should public ed as job number one in the state of Texas, we will find the resources to get this done. And it's not all about raising revenues either. You made uh, this point several days ago where you were sort of drawing a line, a connection here saying, you know, uh, you know, criticizing the, the governor's border policies where he's really been cracking down down there, putting a lot of resources uh, along the border, state resources that are costing money. Uh, your argument was that you would rather take that money. You would take that money and put it perhaps toward uh, buying down property taxes. We have real challenges at the border, whether it's the trafficking of illegal drugs like fentanyl or the smuggling of human beings. And I want to make sure that we are focused on that. 
But when you have a governor who's more interested in the stunts, you know, whether it's busing migrants to D.C. at Texas taxpayer expense, whether it's activating 10,000 members of the National Guard involuntarily, taking them away from their families and their kids, their community, their careers for a year long deployment where they have no powers of arrest or detention and where we've lost to date seven members of the Guard tragically uh, through that deployment. Um, when you have Operation Lone Star and this massive surge of DPS troopers, taking them off the roads, by the way, in North Texas and other parts of the state. And we now have the deadliest year on record since 1980 for highway fatalities in the state of Texas. None of these things have made us safer, but it has cost the Texas taxpayer $5 billion. Um, there is a better, smarter way to secure our borders. I'd start by listening to local leaders in those border communities to understand what it is they need and then to follow suit. And I wanna make sure as governor that we do that, but I also want to make sure that we prioritize real solutions around the state, whether that's the border, whether that is public ed, whether it is reducing the property tax burden for local homeowners. I know that we can get that done if we're interested in bringing the best minds, Republicans, independents, Democrats alike, to focus on solutions instead of stunts. And that's going to be my approach as governor. If someone slid you into the governor's mansion tomorrow, though, you know that the Biden administration is girding for a, a potential real surge at the border coming up soon. What would you be doing right now related to the border? I'd make sure, again, that we go back to these local leaders. So these are local county sheriffs, county judges, mayors, some of these charities, including some of the Catholic charities that very often are the first to encounter asylum seekers and refugees who come to this country, listen to them about what they need, and then make sure we are communicating it crystal clear to the Biden administration, which as we all understand, has the responsibility under the constitution of securing our connection to the rest of the world where Texas meets Mexico, where the state of Texas can effectively and from a solutions oriented basis, supplement what the federal government is doing. I think we need to be able to do that again at the direction of those local leaders who understand these issues better than anyone else. But I also think we have a golden opportunity to display some leadership now and make sure that we force the federal government as much as we can to rewrite our immigration laws from our perspective here in Texas, based on our values, based on our needs, based on our real world situation, and based on our priorities. And these are some of the things I've heard from our fellow Texans, you know, a guest worker program that allows people to legally in an orderly fashion come to this country and our state, which depends on immigrant labor to work and then re to return to their home country and their families and not be forced to stay here and draw their families up to join them. Making sure that we address visa caps, which puts somebody in a 20 to 25 year line if they're trying to do this the right way. And to make sure that we reform our asylum laws and our asylum process. Right now, folks are waiting five years um, once they are processed for asylum to get an answer. How about five weeks or, or five months at the longest? That means that we need more asylum officers to hear these cases here in the United States. We have real Texas solutions to these challenges. We just need real Texas leadership to get that done. Well, we've touched on a bunch here. One last question for you. Um, you know, I mean, property tax alone could be its own debate, property appraisals uh, and property tax. Will we see, do you think, you and Governor Abbott on a debate stage? And if I had to ask you to conjure up a number right now, because there's so many issues, 
How many debates would you like to have with him if you were to be able to choose? So we, we've accepted just about every debate invitation that we've received so far. Um, one that I can think of in, in your neck of the woods was Paul Quinn College um, uh, offered to host a debate for us. And I said right there on the spot, yes, I'm in. I think they're still waiting to hear from, from Governor Abbott. As you mentioned, you've reached out to him to join you on this show. He hasn't shown up. Um, I'm holding these town halls across Texas. Anyone can ask any question. They can level any criticism my way. They can raise any idea or issue. I'm all ears. I want to listen to and learn from the people that I will serve as governor, but I also want to be held accountable by them. We need more of that from this governor. So I'm open to uh, as, as many debates as we can possibly have, because the beneficiary of that will be the voters in Texas who will see the strongest, clearest contrast between the vision that I have for the state of Texas and the performance and vision of the governor on, on the future of the state of Texas. And so that that's something that we would love to see happen. And I'm, I'm here for it. You just let me know when you all are ready and if you get a yes from the governor. Hmm. All right, uh, Beto O'Rourke, Democrat uh, running for governor of Texas. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, sequestered there in the room, recovering from COVID. Uh, all the best on your health. I uh, appreciate you being on with us. Thank you so much. So in the middle of the interview there, our producers are saying that, that we've done a lot of talking. Wheeler and I haven't caught up in a while. I, I don't know if, if uh, you know, could you not talk to me, Wheeler? Or were you just ignoring me, man? Uh, I was ignoring you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I told you it was that, you know, you got to recover. You got to take your time. You got to <laughs> shut out the whole world. I'm telling you, I when I grew that beard, I like dreamt of myself as like a grizzly Adams out in the yeah, you know man. woods in the wilderness and in a cabin and. You know, maybe that's in my future someday. I did miss you, though. I really did. I, I missed the work, too. You missed uh, the work? Are you kidding me? To a degree, yeah. yes. Uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's interesting stuff. It's just that sometimes you need to pull away from it. Yeah. And, I mean, this this wasn't a vacation, but it, um, you know. It sure felt like one, right? It was right? helpful in that way. It did not, actually. It hurt a lot. Uh, but, you know, it, you, you got to make the best of every situation. Uh, you know? you. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're back, man. And just just a, a quick note to our listeners again. If, if your property value is up, protest it. It does not impact your your the value of your home whenever you sell it. It only impacts how much you pay, how much your mortgage payment goes up or how much you shell out to the uh, taxing authorities uh, every year. And secondly, May 7th is a statewide proposition. Nobody votes in these things. Nobody yep. goes to vote in these. There's very little coverage that happens of them. But proposition number two will affect anybody 65 years and younger. It raises the value of your homestead. It increases that discount that you get uh, in, in paying your taxes. So it goes from $25,000 yeah. from uh, discount uh, for school taxes to forty grand. Uh, knocked off of your school taxes. So go vote for that on May 7th. Vote early. And, uh, you know, it, it, at least cast your ballot for that because lawmakers have extended that to us. And let's take them up mm -hmm. on every single penny we can, unless you're like Wheeler and live on that golf course and just want to uh, <laughs> enjoy the view and, and think about Grizzly Adams. Yeah, I'm just printing money, man. What do I have to worry about? Uh, and again, April 30th is your deadline to file for your homestead exemption if you didn't already have that done. That's coming up fast. And yes, get out there and vote on May 7th. This is like, you know, them saying, hey, you want some more money back? But you know how it goes. You know we have low information voters. You know there are going to be people heading in there who haven't heard of this and they're just like, a proposition? No, no, no. And don't count on the smarts 
of or lack thereof in some cases of your fellow citizens get in there and vote every time mm-hmm. there's an election go vote that's how you affect what you're going to pay what you're going to save who's going to represent you so may 7th and uh get it done this time uh, i think we've gone way long should we do it again no i think we've gone way long i think we should be quiet and say we'll see you next week we'll see you next week <laughs>